0: We have Jews for Jesus here this morning. Rich Robinson is, uh, did I get that? Yeah, Rich Robinson, okay. Stumbled on my own notes, uh, is here. And we're excited to have him. He's from the group Jews for Jesus. This is a missions outreach group. Now, they're going to share the gospel with anybody they come into contact with, but their primary target, the people that they are reaching out to, are Jews. And so Jews for Jesus is situated there in our area in San Francisco, They have many areas throughout the world, also right in uh, Jerusalem, and so right in Israel. And they are targeting Jews out there. And it's a great ministry. I love it. Rich has been with Jews for Jesus since 1978. He gave his life to the Lord in the early 70s, and he'll talk a little bit about that. It's an exciting testimony. And he's a senior researcher with them. So he's the one in the books and understanding it all and, and laying down foundations for that group. Um, It's exciting for me because the Lord has called us into all the world to share the gospel, hasn't he? He's told us to go into all nations and make disciples, and Israel is one of those nations. And it's exciting to bring the gospel to Israel, to the Jews, because they gave us the gospel, didn't they? Our Messiah was a Jew. All the disciples, all of the early church were Jews. And so they, and the Apostle Paul, of course, a Jew. They went out into all the world, they spread the gospel, and that's why you and I are here today. Somewhere along the line, the gospel went and went and went and finally reached us. And now, we have an opportunity through supporting groups like Jews for Jesus and other groups to go now and bring the gospel back to the land where it actually began. So it's a very exciting ministry. Would you welcome Rich Robinson for me?
1: Thank you, Pastor Rob, and shalom to all of you here this morning. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good, pretty good. Try it again. I'll say shalom and you will all say nice and loud. Hello. Yeah. Good. It's a word that means uh, hello and that means goodbye, like aloha. Um, but this morning, it also uh, brings the meaning of peace. That's really what shalom is. And uh, peace of the Lord is what we're talking about uh, this morning. Um, yeah, I work with uh, Jews for Jesus, like Pastor Rob said. We're, we're a mission organization. We've got a mission statement. It's to make the Messiahship of Jesus an unavoidable issue to our Jewish people worldwide. And that means we're out there in about 14 different um, countries around the world. We're very public and visible. We hand out a lot of literature. I've done my share of that. And, uh, you know, the responses you get when you're handing out literature give you an idea how it is that Jewish people think about the gospel. Uh, Sometimes I've handed out some gospel tracts, a Jewish person comes along and they'll say, you should be ashamed of yourself for believing in Jesus. Or what I used to get a lot of was, uh, does your mother know you're doing this? Um, The answer is yes. But more and more we get that response we want to hear, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? question we love to answer. Um. Most of my experience has been here in the United States. I'm from New York City, I'm from Brooklyn. But we're seeing some changes going on around the world. Particularly, the nation of Israel is fast becoming the chief Jewish population center of the entire world. Used to be uh, North America, had six million Jews, there are about that many now in Israel, and it's growing. And that means that Israel has got to be a main focus of our efforts from from here on out. The population is only going to keep growing in Israel. And so we have committed ourselves to being in the land, to being in Israel, to having a presence there, to having outreaches there. And this morning I'm going to share with you some of what uh, God is doing in Israel. Some of what we're talking about applies to Jewish people worldwide. But a lot of it is specific to the land of Israel. <clears throat> I've been there about three times myself. I've got cousins who've moved there to live uh, when they were teenagers. They settled there. They married Israelis. Um, and it's a place that desperately needs to hear uh, the gospel message. We've. Uh, I'm going to actually move this down here so that I can kind of see the slides at the same time that I talk to you. And um, If we go to the the first slide, we are going to um, have a, a kind of listing of things here. Listen, the main problem that Jewish people face everywhere is spiritual, it's a matter of the heart. But Israel is kind of unique, even in other aspects. As you know from reading the newspapers, there are political and military threats coming from all directions. There's a lot of internal politics that goes on. Israel is not a unified society. You've got the, um, the rift between the religious and the secular that carries over into, into the daily life and into government decisions. It's not a harmoniously functioning society that way. Most Israelis are secular. The minority that are religious, but they have influence in the government, influence in the policies... But, you know, if your picture of Israel is, is, you know, people in long black coats praying at the wailing wall, um, that's not the real picture on the ground. It makes a great picture for a calendar. But uh, on the ground, most Israelis are atheists, agnostics, <clears throat> involved in New Age, um, desperate, seeking, secular. Um, They've got their share of poverty. There's a lot of Russian immigrants who've come in. Um, a lot going on. Even lack of fresh water, um, interestingly. And just a growing uh, materialism. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, when Israel started as a nation, it was full of high ideals. Uh, we're going to get to the land. We're going to become the pioneers. We're going to reclaim the land. We're going to build a wonderful society. And God did bless the Jewish people in that they built a society there. They built and reclaimed the land. But that idealism is gone. We're dealing with people who are desperate, uh, people who are seeking, uh, people who don't know which end is up. It's not an easy society to be living in. But behind all of this, there's a spiritual problem, as we can see on this next slide. Got a quotation from the Old Testament, quotation from the New Testament. The prophet Hosea said this hundreds of years before Jesus came. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there's no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Particularly, the Israelites at that time didn't know the Lord. They were spiritually bankrupt. Hundreds of years later, Paul says the same thing. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved, for I can testify about them they're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on Knowledge, the lack of knowledge of the Lord. Today, it's the same thing, you know. Even in this country, most Jews, you think we have a Bible in our homes? We don't have a Bible in our homes. Most Jews grow up knowing very little about the Old Testament. Um, we know a few Bible stories. That's about it. We don't even know who Hosea is, most Jews. Um, even the religious Jews, in Paul's day, he said they were zealous, but not according to knowledge. And nowhere do we see this more than in Israel. At least here, if you go up to a Jewish person, you say, who do you think Jesus is? And they'll tell you he was a good teacher. He was a prophet. Uh, What do you know about his life? Well, the Christians say he was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. You really can't get away from that in a place like the United States. Israel, it's a blank slate. They don't know. Almost anything about who Jesus is, not, not even the first things. On uh, the next slide, we see that um, article from uh, 1999, Israeli newspaper Haaretz. According to the official curriculum, students in the government education system hear about Jesus at best only once during 12 years of schooling, and only in passing at the beginning of their sixth grade history course. When they get to university, the the professors say the high school graduates are totally ignorant about Jesus and Christianity. They know nothing at all. And they're ignorant because the schools are still afraid that any study of Jesus is connected to missionary activity. Uh, The the religious um, minority in Israel have a lot of input into the society as a whole, including education. And um, those religious Jews are, uh, are bereft of um, not only knowing who Jesus is, but they want to curtail anything that sounds like missionary activity to them, which really translates into um, any Jewish believer in Jesus they're ready to call a missionary. So there's just this lack of knowledge about who Jesus is. Next slide, please. 2008... <clears throat> Uh, what Israelis think of you, me, and you-know-who. Um, the religious prefer not to use his name. They call him Jay sometimes um, or that man. Uh, was this delivered for me, this water? Oh, thank you. It's a miracle. <laughs> um, and so we took some questions. We... we, we um, We laid out some questions, and just to show you a a few of the answers, go to the next one, please. So to your knowledge, what is the name of the Christian Messiah? Check this out. Almost three-quarters said his name is Yeshu, which is not his name in Hebrew. His name in Hebrew is Yeshua. Now, the way to remember that is um, it sounds like what goes on your foot, Yeshua. Got it? But they don't know his right name. Yeshu actually goes back to the beginnings of Christianity when the rabbis were, uh, you know, not very happy about the gospel going out. And Yeshu, in Hebrew, it it stands for may his name and memory be blotted out. May his name and memory be blotted out. Now, the average secular Israeli doesn't know that part of the story, but they don't know his real name. They just call him Yeshu. Yeshu. Please keep going. Yeah, the man known as Yeshu was who? Good question to ask. Who is Jesus? In Israel, 35% say a Jew who started a new religion. Others say the Christian Messiah. 6% wouldn't even answer the question. Okay, next one. Uh, We'll skip this one because it's not really relevant. What miracle do you know? Interesting. Interesting. 59% knew that he walked on water. I have no idea why that stands out in the minds of the Israelis. 5% say he rose from the dead. 1% knew about the virgin birth. Um, 15% knew that he healed the sick. 4% knew that he did water to wine. But 59% said he walked on water. That's kind of strange. I I don't get it. But you see, they still don't know a whole lot about his, his life and his ministry. So... We've committed ourselves to um, really um, getting out there and helping Israelis know who Jesus is. Um, Paul says, you know, how will they hear unless someone is sent? So that's what we're all about. We're out there going, and we have committed ourselves over six years to going to 12 different parts of Israel, having 12 evangelism campaigns. Basically, we're out there visibly. We wear T-shirts that identify us. We hand out literature. We put ads in the media. Um, We call people on the phone. Whatever it takes to get the message out there, that's what we're going to do. And so there's all these areas of Israel. And here you get a few shots of what it's like on the street. That shirt says Yehudim Lehmann Yeshua, which means Jews for Jesus in Hebrew. And people say, can you evangelize in Israel? Isn't it illegal? No, it's not illegal at all. If you know what you're doing, you get out there. You can talk to people, hand out tracks. A lot of Israelis know English, so you can just get out there and have conversations. And um, you know, this is with soldiers. A lot of soldiers are walking around the streets there. Um, you see them all the time. Sometimes the religious Jews, like here, the guys with the black uh, yarmulkes on, they try and do a little physical interference. Um, We get mostly verbal opposition in this country. Israel, sometimes it's been physical. We've had people, one of our guys there was punched in the nose, um, broke his nose. It's rare, but it happens. And uh, we've offered free New Testaments in Hebrew, which people are willing to take and receive. We have also, on the next slide, um, this is great. Check this out. This seems to work better in Israel than anywhere else, and I don't know why. Bannering. We hold up these banners, and in Hebrew it says Yeshu equals Yeshua equals Yeshua. What that means is Yeshu, the name you know him by, equals Yeshua, his real name, equals Yeshua, which means salvation. See? And there's a number of people can call, and they call, and the phones are off the hook ringing. People want to know what this is. Yeshua equals Yeshua equals Yeshua. What is this? We get to share the gospel with them. So we, we have been doing these a lot. Keep going. Yeah, by the roadside, on the overpasses, electronically, two, two different screens there. Um, bus shelter ads were right there in the lower right. Um, rush hour, billboard traffic up there on the upper left, sides of buildings, trucks, a lot of fun, um, billboards, but of course not everyone likes what we do. So here they, they scratched out everything not too well, you can still read the phone number, actually you could read the whole thing, um, but they just left the word Yeshua there, salvation. Um, I'm not sure if these guys are putting it up or if this was a self-appointed SWAT team that's taking it down. Um, you know, it could be going either way here. I'm not really sure. Okay. Yeah, here, here they, they blotted it out, but, of course, not the phone number or the website. So what good was it? Um, but they, in, in the slogan, they left the last letter there, which for Orthodox Jews is an abbreviation for God's name. So they cross out everything except the name of God because you cannot deface that in Orthodox Judaism. Okay. Oh, articles in the newspaper. Uh, some articles are good. They interview us. In this case, um, the, the headline way on top there says, uh, uh, Missionaries invade um, Beit She'an, which is a city, on the eve of the holiday. So that's... Uh, oftentimes how um, we're viewed in Israel as invaders uh, or worse. But it's an opportunity for the gospel to get out and be heard. Okay, next slide. Um, I think this is an interview. That's Dan Sered, our uh, branch leader in Israel. Some cameras are rolling there. Next. He actually got interviewed on Israeli TV, and he got to tell the whole gospel. And that's always uh, uh, a great thing to see happen. You know, Jesus and the apostles, they always took advantage of crowds to, to proclaim the gospel message. And, and um, like Pastor Rob said, you know, three times a year you had to walk to Jerusalem from all over the world and celebrate the holiday. And at every one of those holiday occasions, Jesus took the opportunity, the apostles took the opportunity to connect with the people where they were at. Whatever the theme of the holiday was, that's what Jesus latched onto to proclaim um, a message, which actually is a great missionary technique. We, we do that also. I'll give you an example. We're not, we're not Jesus, we're not the apostles, but it's a great principle. When we go to an urban area, you know, what's on people's minds? You can't just go there and just preach the gospel. You've got to make a connection. So a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people are um, maybe tired of getting literature on the streets of New York City. And you know, downtown New York City is a little bit busier than downtown Turlock. I don't know if you know that. Um, So it's just a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Always someone wants to hand out something. So we have Beware of Religious Fanatics Handing Out Pamphlets. (laughs) This is also great for urban areas. It's called Welcome to the Jews for Jesus Bar. And people actually take this and go, oh, where's your bar? I want to go there. So they read this. They discover that bar is actually uh, uh, an Aramaic word, a biblical word that means son, S-O-N, is in the son of God. So they discover when they read this, the Jews for Jesus bar isn't a place, it's a person. It's Jesus. And, uh, you know, again, get into some good conversation. So we make that connection. That's what's going on here. You know. All these people are watching TV, they're looking for something interesting, they're getting an interview, and as the interview progresses, Dan gets to share the gospel in a way that resonates with uh, the Israelis listening. Okay. Um, Now, not only do we have these 12 campaigns going on, but every summer we have also done an Israel outreach with a group of young people. Different than the 12 campaigns. This is... um, a uh, college-age outreach called Masah in Hebrew. It means journey. And what happens is these guys and these girls go to Israel for discipleship, for a bit of sightseeing, and also to do some evangelism, talk to the Israelis there right out on the streets. And after that, after the Israeli part of this, uh, this trip, they go to North India. Why? Because you find Israelis there. After their army service, which is over at about 21 years of age for men and women, a lot of Israelis go tooling around the world. They go to North India. They go to Thailand. They go to Bolivia just to kind of hang out, to find themselves, to decompress. And so there's this whole uh, area of North India that caters to the Israeli travelers, the backpackers. And we send team there. They go to Delhi. They have a short 18-hour bus ride up to uh, the northern part of the country where the Israelis are. And our team goes there, and, and they're able to, uh, to share their faith. Um, you can even find Israelis here, by the way. Some Israelis do come to the United States. You go to the, go to the shopping mall in Modesto. Uh, I bet in the middle of the mall, some of those kiosks are run by Israelis. Um, you can always tell the Israelis because they're more aggressive than the Americans. The Americans at the kiosks are kind of like this, waiting for someone to come over. The Israelis are really aggressive. They're like, I want to spray you with this. Why don't you want me to? I want to do it to you. It's very good. It's from the Dead Sea. Don't you want to buy some? So if you see anyone like that in the mall, ask them if they're from Israel. And if they say yes, well, why not? Just ask, so, who do you think Jesus is? And uh, maybe you'll get into a good conversation. So this is from the, the youth uh, college-age um, Massah outreach. We've got the, one of our staff, Giselle, in the hat uh, with another a person talking to the Israelis right there in the streets of Israel. Uh, also on the next slide, we've got um, a guy named Will who is um, doing some street art. He's an artist, and he, what he did is he set up these easels right on the streets there in Tel Aviv, um, did some painting. They, all the paintings have a spiritual message, and, and People were getting into conversations, and he got to share the gospel uh, with them. Okay. Now, one awesome thing that we think is happening, we think it's awesome, is that, you know, we've never had a permanent center in Israel. We've rented out space. We've been there since the 90s. But we've never had a permanent center that could not only be a base for our evangelism but could be a ministry center for um, Israelis to come in have coffee, sit down, get into a spiritual conversation, maybe house some people. Uh, and when you have a permanent place, people take you a little more seriously also. So we bought a building, we renovated it, called the Moish Rosen Center, in, um, named after our founder of Jews for Jesus, Moish Rosen, Merkaz Moshe Rosen, Hebrew. And... Um, Let's keep going because, uh, okay, this is, the lo- this is basically the neighborhood. It's a place in Tel Aviv called Florentine. Um, it's a very bohemian neighborhood, very happening neighborhood, a lot of young people. If you've been to New York City recently, people have compared it to the East Village. And it's got cafes like this. Um, it's got, you know, a lot of crowds of young people here. They are celebrating uh, the holiday of uh, Purim, uh, kind of like a carnival-like atmosphere. And it just becomes a great place to uh, um, to be. Now, you can go through these pretty quickly. Just keep going through these. This is some shots, not to show you how beautiful the place is, but to show you that this is a viable ministry center in Israel. And we've already put it to use, and I'll have some stories for you. People can come in. They can have coffee. They can eat. They can have a meal there. Um, there's accommodations also, even for some people who want to stay over. Uh, we can have holiday meals there. We can have Shabbat, which are Sabbath meals on Friday evenings, invite the community into. And so it's become a, um, a very functional type of center. Of course, um, you know, <clears throat> being who we are in Israel, we, uh, the front of the building has special glass. Uh, I, don't, I don't quite think it's bulletproof. Um, But it's good-tempered glass. Not that we're really, we're not expecting, you know, armies to run up with guns, but just uh, as a precaution. Uh, There are always people who would want to break our windows. So we're just very blessed to, to have been able to get this. And what we did, okay, here, our first event. Let me read to you about this. We've had our um, first outreach event here. This was the report that came from Israel. It was their first event open to the public at the Moish Rosen Center. We used this occasion to put up an art gallery at the Moish Rosen Center and invite the public. This is how young people relate much better to building relationships, having conversations as an entree to the gospel. Um, that's the way it works. That's how we're doing it in Israel. Um, We do public outreach also, but when you want to get that one-on-one relationship going, this is how you do it. We invited the public to this art gallery, and our theme was Florentine, our neighborhood. We had photos of the neighborhood, paintings by Will, the guy you saw doing that street art, and we served crepes and coffee and watermelon. And we had a photo booth where people could take a picture with a We Love Florentine sign. So here's one. Keep going. Another one. And this one, yeah. Okay, you can go back one for now. And so um, there were some artists on the Massah program. They had their bios up, and we had a few signs around the building which said this. This is what, this is what the public read on the signs in the building. Thank you for attending our art show. The building in which you're standing is called the Moish Rosen Center. It's a place where the Jews for Jesus organization here in Tel Aviv invites you to not only attend tonight, but to come back for future events that include talks, concerts, coffee, and new friendships. And it goes on to explain. Moish Rosen was an American believer in Yeshua the Messiah who began the Jews for Jesus movement in 1970 in San Francisco. The center here in Florentine is named in his honor because he helped make Yeshua an unavoidable issue for our Jewish people worldwide. Now, we wrote this knowing that non-believing Israeli Jews are going to be reading it. We'd love a chance to talk to you again about Yeshua and why, believe he is, why we believe he's the Jewish uh, Messiah. And we went on tonight's uh, Laila Levan, which means white night, white night. It's an expression um, for a little... Uh, special time of celebration in Israel. We exhibits, this exhibit celebrates the creativity and freedom we found in our relationship with God. Enjoy the art, the espresso, the crepes, and each other. We're glad you came. Our doors and hearts are open to you, not just tonight, but also in the future. And so this was a way of, an, of sort of making the whole neighborhood aware that Jews for Jesus is here in this neighborhood of Tel Aviv. And... Um, a good evangelism story out of this. Um, there was a neighbor, someone writes, that parks his bike next to mine at the Moist Rosen Center. Well, we've always been friendly, but we never really got into a conversation until he came to the gallery with his girlfriend. And they both, both kept asking what we're all about. And I was able to give his girlfriend Zahava the gospel message. And here's how things work. She had heard the gospel before while traveling in New Zealand. But she was really surprised to hear about Jews that believe. God knows the steps in our journeys. She inquired if she could come study with us. One of the things she was interested in was how do we atone for our sins? And I'll continue to pursue the conversation. You know, sometimes I think in my own life that's true. You know, God leads you on a journey of faith. Someone shares the gospel with you, and they never know if they're coming in number one or number 100 in your journey. And so God uses each of those steps. And at this point, she was ready to to hear more. So for this opening night here in Tel Aviv, 95 people came, 40 of them Jewish believers in Jesus and 55 Jewish non-believers. And um, the majority of those would be Israelis, maybe some tourists. So God is doing some really fantastic things in Israel. And while this is going on, now full-time in Tel Aviv. We are now going to be also continuing those 12 evangelism campaigns, two a year, in different parts of Israel. And we're a little more than halfway done now. The next slide tells you what happened through the first six of the 12 outreaches. A lot of statistics, but the statistics are people. There are 8,705 unsaved Jewish contacts. Each of those numbers is a person who's hurting or seeking or has anxiety or has financial problems or is worried about their future. And each of those people were people who said, you know what? I, I, I want to know something about what you believe. I want to know something about God. I want to know how Jesus fits into all of us. I want to know that there's a message of hope. And each of those people gets a personal contact from us, email, phone call. 130 people in these first six outreaches came to faith in Yeshua, in Jesus, along with 25 non-Jews. So a lot to thank God for. Next slide. Okay, I'll come to that in a moment. Actually, let me, let me read the first two of those now because we started out by saying that there's a lack of knowledge, spiritual knowledge among the Jewish people. I told you, most of us don't own an Old Testament. Most of us don't read it. Uh, most of us don't know the New Testament, even if we're not afraid to read it. We're far from God. Uh, let me tell you, almost any spirituality is okay in today's Jewish community except for Jesus. He's still the big no. You know, Jews today, especially here in the U.S., but also in Israel, are involved in New Age movements. Um, Come to San Francisco, there's a whole movement of Jews who've turned to Buddhism. And seriously, they call themselves Jubus. This is true. This is real. They're Jubus. Um, In San Francisco, there's a New Age festival every year called Bumbamela, which means absolutely nothing in Hebrew. Nonsense word, bumbamela. And so, along with the New Age booths, we have a Jews for Jesus booth. That's where Jewish people are at spiritually today lack of knowledge. And yet, God has promised never to cast off his people. And one day he's promised that they will return to him. It's not a new problem. Paul, speaking of his own time, says, I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself, he says. A descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. And then people say, well, how come all the Jews aren't believing in Jesus then if the Messiah has come? At the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. Paul knew that There was not yet going to be a mass turning of Jews to Jesus. Not yet. Um, He's referring to the story of Elijah. You ever see that story of Elijah in the Old Testament? Where he he has a a contest between the God of Israel and Baal, the God of the heathens. And they go through the whole thing with sacrifices and water. And and who's going to answer and consume the sacrifices will it be the Baal will it be the God of Israel of course the god we know the god of Israel consumes the sacrifices and shows that he's the true god and then after that what do you think you think Elijah says yeah great no 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 Elijah is spiritually exhausted after that he's just emotionally drained he goes down under a tree he says i wish i was dead and he complains to God, and God sends him some food to eat. But then the Lord says, you know what? And Elijah says, listen, I'm the only person in Israel left who's still following the God of Israel. I'm the only one who's left. And um, he may have said it that way, too. I'm the only one who's left. And um, God says, no, no, there are 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, out of all the millions of Israelites in the time of Elijah, God says there's 7,000 who are still following me. Not a lot. Today, half of 1% of Jews believe in Jesus. Not a lot. But there is a remnant chosen by grace. I think during any time in Israel's history, there's never been 100% of Jews following God. And so we're not expecting a mass turning of Jews to Jesus today. It's one by one by one. And I'm, I'm one of those ones. I'm one of those ones. I came to Christ in 1973. It's true for me like it is for other Jews today. I was pursuing any spirituality. My home was not very religious. We didn't really talk about God. We were very liberal Jews. Um, and there was a spiritual void because of that. So I began a spiritual search in high school and college and I started studying Eastern religions and new age stuff and I, I bought a book called The Catalogue of Ways People Can Grow Everything in Alphabetical Order. You know, start with astrology, you can pick whatever you like all the way through to Zen Buddhism. And I got into the why for yoga. I so said, I'm gonna do yoga. That'll be maybe the way to plug into God. And then I I discovered I couldn't twist into all the positions that you were supposed to twist into. And maybe I thought maybe salvation is only for flexible people. It was very frustrating. But, you know, I prayed, I read, I thought, I visited places. And I met a Christian from actually the the Campus Crusade for Christ group. They just changed their name to Crew. So we're changing our name to Jew. No, not not really. And... um, He shared the gospel with me. We argued. We talked. He led me to the Lord um, some months later. And, um, yeah, part of that remnant. I, I didn't see a whole lot of other Jewish people around me coming to faith in Christ. I knew one here and there. But Paul says there's a remnant chosen by grace. But then he ends on a real note of hope and a promise from God and a bright look at the future. And he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, my brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. Our hearts are hardened to the gospel. Until the full number of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. And uh, he has a, uh, a note for the future. A note of hope that someday at the end of history, the nation as a whole will come back to the Lord. And that is why we're in Israel, as well as elsewhere around the country. Um, a lot that God is doing for which we're very, very grateful. Israel now is our largest staff uh, anywhere in the world, including interns that we have. I just want to uh, end here by inviting you, um, as God puts on your heart this morning, to be part of what God is doing. Um, even if you can't stand with us on the streets of Israel, you can be part. Um, Starts by taking out this card that was in your bulletins, I believe. So if you would all please remove this card. We've got an ancient Jews for Jesus ceremony we're going to do. It's called the ceremony of tearing the card in unison. You bend it on the dotted line back and forth, and then on the count of three, we're going to tear at the identical moment, okay? So one, two, three. Four, five, or six, you're okay. <clears throat> one, way, one way that you can partner with us is fill out the card. And there's a space there for your, your street address, email. This will enable you to get uh, our monthly publication for Christians, our monthly newsletter, not to bombard you with a lot of mail, but to give you things to pray for, to let you know how God is working so you can pray more effectively to um, help you witness to Jewish friends you might know and to help you connect the Old and New Testament uh, dots together. Our director, David Brickner, has a devotional each month to help you in your walk with the Lord. And it would be a privilege um, for us to connect with you that way. All you need to do is um, fill this out. If you get our newsletter already, which I know some of you do, you can just check off on here that you receive it. And then after the service, uh, right outside these doors, there was a gentleman there before holding a little a little brown box to put the cards into. Um, hopefully he'll be there again. And um, then you could also hand it to me at the table. We have a literature table outside uh, on the sidewalk. Speaking of which, um, let me mention one thing. We've got a, um, a DVD called Forbidden Peace. Israelis and Palestinians. Israelis and Palestinians who've come to faith in Christ and found reconciliation through the cross, their stories. Because it's only going to be God that brings peace to the Middle East. We had a uh, little ad campaign one year. said the only hope for peace was born in the Middle East. You understand. <clears throat> the small part of the car you tore off, bring it home, pray. It's a prayer reminder. Pray for our next Israel outreach. For the leadership uh, later this fall, I believe. Leadership, open hearts in Israel. Um, God will keep the opposition away. And uh, join us in praying in the days ahead for the peace of Jerusalem, it says in the Psalms, the shalom of Jerusalem. And we know shalom, peace, only comes from knowing the Prince of Peace, don't we? Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior and Messiah. It's been a joy to be with you here this morning. So I'll turn this back over now to Pastor Rob.
0: Thank you very much, Rich, for being with us this morning and sharing what Jews for Jesus is doing. And a couple touching things there. I I know most of you know that um, I took my family there to Israel for about a month in Tel Aviv. We helped out with uh, Calvary Chapel Tel Aviv and helped in their soup kitchen and spreading the gospel. And also my family got to tour Israel as well and see some beautiful sights. So I have a real soft place in my heart for Israel. Yes, the Lord wants us to take the gospel to all the nations, all the world. They all need to hear. Um, We need to hear right here in the United States. And increasingly, it's becoming more and more pagan postmodern, moving away from the gospel. But it's really neat. I think it's very, very rewarding to see a Jew hear the gospel and understand it, because it connects the dots for them. As Rich said, so many Jews, they don't really know the Old Testament, but they know the stories, they've heard about the Messiah, a coming Messiah, they've, they've been raised in a lot of the traditions, and when they come to Christ, they can connect the dots and recognize that Jesus truly is the salvation. True, Jesus truly is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, who fulfills all of the Old Testament law and the Old Testament stories, and everything was pointing to him. So it's very, very rewarding to see uh, the Jews come to Christ. Our Messiah was a Jew, and I was telling Rich about this when I was in Israel. A lot of times you would talk to a cab driver, somebody on the street about Jesus, and they would be very encouraging of you believing in Jesus. That's fine. Oh, you're from the United States, you know, you're a Gentile. Well, good, I'm, you know, I'm very happy for you that you believe in Jesus, but I'm a Jew, I can't believe. They thought it was mutually exclusive. I am a Jew, therefore I cannot believe in Jesus. And then you would say to them, but Jesus was a Jew. They'd kind of step back a minute and think, well, that's, I guess that's true, isn't it? Yeah, and they'd have to process that. So it was very rewarding, it's very neat to uh, be able to share the gospel, to take it right back to the Jewish people since they gave it to us first. And so, Rich, we love what Jews for Jesus is doing today. We are um, just eager to see the Lord continue to work through that. And as he mentioned, that is the one people group in this world where salvation is promised. Eventually, as he said, it's kind of happening like popcorn now. One by one, Jews are coming to Christ. But eventually, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 11, Paul says that all of Israel will be saved. So their salvation is coming. They will Look upon whom they have pierced, and they will recognize Jesus as their Messiah. So it's wonderful to know that, to think about that, and to understand that, that God's promises cannot be canceled. He stays true to his covenant, just like Rich mentioned. There's still that remnant right now he's preserving, isn't he, Rich? But he's going to save his people. So wonderful. Thank you very much.